So, hey, Bill Sinyard here again. This is the Gospel Rant. More words for a pandemic or for people under siege. So, look, like most people, I'm hunkered down in my home. Kind of a bummer, but it does give me time to do this sort of thing more. In my last podcast and blog, I wanted to share something that is helping me balance my life under siege. Look, I'm not taking this lightly. Uh, We shouldn't. My children are scattered around the globe. They're also hunkered down. I hope they're safe. But we parents have every right to be concerned and even worried. That would be human. Denial is not our friend here. And we should do everything we can to help flatten the curve. I mean, I love our brand new life motto. Should be a t-shirt, right? Now, having said that, there's also room for parallel good news. And if you're a Christian... Even though you're not saved from the danger of catching COVID-19 or even dying from it, I wish that were the case, but sadly it's not. God's beloved children die all the time, and we certainly don't need to belabor that point, do we? But uh, we can share with each other, and with that brain beast, I'll talk about that more in a moment, that brain beast in our head that is goading us to panic, we can share the good news of Christ with each other. Here it is, Jesus' follower 2,000 years ago. Strictly because of what Jesus did for you, God has to love you. I mean, technically, in a narrow sense, God has to love you. He does love you as much as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. And you did nothing to earn it. You cannot add to it or take away from it. It's yours now and forever, whether you catch the virus or not. And I'm not being flippant. That really is good news, and it's worth hearing again. As I said last time, we have the ability to say it to ourselves over and over, drip, 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 so that... It has a good chance, a better than average chance of penetrating the flood of cortisol that's igniting fear and some panic in our brain to still the brain beast. And I will say that it's helping me at least a little. And as I mentioned last time, I am creating a second participative tool for Christian counselors and churches and pastors, very similar to the forgiving path. We're calling it the dance I love the, the name. It's going to target increasing damage being accomplished by that brain beast in our heads. The beast can be described as an entity in your brain, in my brain, that's working really hard to make us feel miserable, like losers, like failures, imperfect, unnecessary, exposed, and loners, and lonely. We all have the beast. According to my research, the beast begins to grow in our brains starting at least in the third trimester of our mother's pregnancy. And then it flourishes at least up until the age of two. And long before we knew what was going on, before we could do anything about it, before we could really process what was going on, the beast began to undermine our little infantile sense of safety and well-being. A little, maybe even a lot for some of us. Well, more on that to come. But suffice it to say that some and maybe a lot of this fear that we're feeling right now under siege comes from the critical nasty voice of the beast in our heads. And it sounds something like this. You're not safe. You can't do anything to be safe. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your savings. There's nothing you can do about it. You're going to run out of toilet paper, of all things. And you deserve it. 
and you will end your life alone and lonely. Your life continues to be a deadly skydive. By the way, Jeff, thanks for that image. This brain beast goes by another name, but oh my goodness, we don't want to use that. It's like Voldemort, he who must not be named. Too much stigma, so I'll just give you the name in code. It starts with S-H and rhymes with game. Okay, you try to work that one out. So here's some good news that hopefully will lean in against the beast a little. In the last blog, I referred to the Greek Cappadocian church fathers, right, 4th century, concept of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and how the Trinity works uh, as a parachoresis, which is literally in the Greek a dance around. If you're a Christian, this is your life, your safety net, and by the way, even your ultimate significance. You are an intricate part of this dance. And I get it, you may not feel like it right now and right here. You might be focusing on something else, oh, like a pandemic. But this news should be, or at least could be, encouraging in the moment. Listen to these descriptors of the Trinity. Theologian pastor Jürgen Schultz writes, quote, The triune God lives in an incomparable celebration of eternal joy. The Father, Son, and Spirit have a rich and overflowing life with or without us. They did not decide to create us for their benefit, but for ours, because this is how God lives. This is how God loves. The three-in-one God is a fountain of blessing and joy and goodness that spills over, that gives and gives and gives. This is who our Creator is, and this is why He creates. C.S. Lewis pointed out, we were made not primarily that we may love God, though we were made for that too, but that God may love us. This overflowing love is what prompted him to create and to redeem. He is intent upon bringing others into the triune celebration of eternal joy. Oh my goodness, that sounds so much better than the the 24-7 news about the pandemic. And it's true, right? It doesn't fix the coronavirus. Don't misunderstand me, but it feels pretty good. It It's in the face of the beast, believe me. Here's Schultz again, quote, The center and matrix of the universe is not a machine or a monastery. It is a dance, a ballet, a perichoresis, an interaction of love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is so beautiful, so exuberant, so marvelous that the triune God purposed to create us so that we would be part of the dance and participants in the eternal fellowship of the Trinity. Could anything be more amazing than that? So, what to do with this good stuff? Read it again and again, listen to the podcast again and again, and even say it aloud so that the beast gets an earful of good news. I'm not promising that this will make you feel totally safe. Maybe a little less panicked, a little. Maybe it'll help you sleep a little bit better. Look, if it helps, give us a shout out, pass it on. We really do need to come together to survive this mess. See you on the next podcast. This is Gospel Rant. I'm Bill Singer. See you next time. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.